Welcome to the Daily Naked Pair Podcast, brought to you by Rocco Blue, the first ever brand focused on supporting parents with special needs children. Naked Parent Nation is a group of parents with special needs children who are willing to get vulnerable, strip it all down, and take a look at ourselves, our parenting, our family, and our plans to create a life beyond our wildest dreams. Hello, Naked Parent Nation, and welcome to the Naked Parent Podcast. My name's Chad. I'm your host today and forever, as far as we know. And today on the show, we have Ellen Hunt from Mesa, Arizona, who is a wife, mother of two, a nursing student, and she is navigating the autism world and becoming an advocate for her son and others with ASD. Welcome to the show, Ellen. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. You have two children. What are the ages of your children? So my son is four and a half and he'll be five in October. And my daughter is two and a half and she'll be three in January. And your son's on the spectrum. That's correct. Yes. When did you see something that looked different to you? So our first indicator that something wasn't quite right was basically just the no speech. My son is very social, has very little boundaries, always enjoys being hugged, uh, never uncomfortable around strangers. And so, and very smiley. That was something that the pediatrician always asked is, well, is he very stoic? Does he not smile a lot? No, he's very expressive. It's just really no words. And so we started off with that and it was my first child. And so you already have no idea what you're doing to begin with. And now to kind of throw in something that's not considered normal, it's incredibly stressful and disheartening and you can't help but question your abilities as a parent. We just went to a winter pediatrician and he's really, really, really supportive. And luckily Arizona has a really great early intervention program. They call, they come to your home and they kind of start out with speech therapy just to see if maybe there's a disconnect and all they need to do is find the connection. But In Beckham's case, that wasn't it. It was autism. And so that was a really great introduction into the world of just developmental delays and special needs. Just very smooth and gradual. I I feel like definitely one of the lucky ones where I've had really good luck with people who have cared for my son and who have listened to me. One of the things that breaks my heart is hearing experiences of other parents who haven't felt very supported. And it's definitely something that needs to change. Totally. How did you react? I mean, most of us, you know, are just devastated. And that's right. And and it's okay to be devastated. And, and I love that you use that word because I feel like a lot of times our children can't help who they are. And that's never something that I wanted to ever make my son feel as he understood more that I was upset with who he was because that's not the case. I really think the devastation comes from just a disrupt in plans. When you have children and you're holding them in your arms for the first time, you're imagining all of the possibilities of their life, going to college, getting married, doing all of these wonderful things and anything. It's not even autism. Anything that disrupts that, it can Mm -hmm. be even as small as a broken leg and they won't be able to run as well as they could. It, It was something as small as that. It's devastating because it breaks up a life plan. I've had a friend whose son was recently diagnosed and she's like, I just feel selfish when I cry. And I'm like, please don't, (laughs) don't feel 
selfish that you cry. I actually think that it just means that you care so much. And I think a lot of what keeps parents from accepting a diagnosis at first is denying themselves that time to feel whatever you need to feel. Because it's that's a part of the acceptance is the mourning of a life that is essentially passing away. Right. Yeah, it's heavy and it doesn't work out for anybody, any parent out there, but it is it is an expectation and we have to unpack that. It was, you know, it was hard for me to unpack and to, you know, lose the Saturday soccer, whatever, and to lose the family vacation that, you know, we're envisioning. And it is what it is. I'm so glad that you found good support because the difference between good support and not good support, it's so huge. Absolutely. And with me, you know, I didn't grow up in the most stable of environments and and I've had my own struggles throughout my life. And so I find that I'm fairly adaptable. It's when I was looking for the diagnosis, I was kind of waiting for it to happen. I always had the inkling that again, I'm not a, a doctor. So I'm always, was always just waiting for that. My husband was the one who struggled with it the most and was in denial the most. And it got to a point in our marriage where I felt very alone in my own experience. And it was hindering the kind of advocate I wanted to be for my son. Because I had this other obstacle of a man that I love very much, but who has now created himself to be an obstacle. And I remember the one night that I finally kind of just broke down and told him like, what is the problem? It was the day that my son's speech therapist had, she's like, you know, I can't diagnose, but I am fairly sure that your son is autistic. You know, those words break your heart. And I wanted to cry, but I knew that it was coming. But when my husband heard it, he was just angry. And I couldn't understand that. I hadn't been angry at that point. I was sad, but I'd never been angry. And and so I just didn't understand that. And he finally kind of broke down and just said, I don't want anyone to think that he's stupid. And that said, like that sentence still really gets me because yeah, like that, yes, that, it, that might happen. Yeah. We can't say that that might not happen. He, our son might encounter somebody just really ignorant and they might say that it's like, but autistic does not mean stupid. It doesn't. And that's something within him that he needed to heal. That's ignorance. And ignorance isn't always hateful. Sometimes it's just, you're just ignorant. You just don't know. And so it's your job to know. And we know our son isn't stupid. And the people who love him know that he's not stupid. And he, he knows he's not stupid. This isn't what it is. When a professional says, we believe your child is autistic, they're not at all speaking about his intelligence. They're just talking about how his brain is wired differently. And so once my husband kind of got over that, he became a really great advocate. And we've only had a couple times with, and it's funny, it's really just, you see older generation people who deal with kids with autism. They're very uncomfortable and it's okay to be uncomfortable. I'm not hurt when someone is uncomfortable. Because I can remember the times when I was in high school and you would see people in in Arizona, they have a Best Buddies program. And those are the kids who are in in, uh, special education and in Best Buddies, you can form relationships. And I remember I was always so uncomfortable being around these kids with autism, developmental delays. And And I know now that it was just because I wasn't used to it, because I can't relate and because I didn't know how to communicate. And so I felt as a teenager 
I don't want to hurt any feelings. So I'm just going to ignore, which is not right. But that just came from ignorance. I was ignorant. And so the big battle is kind of breaking through that. They don't need to be treated any differently. You just might have to be a little bit more patient and maybe repeat things a little more. But you can kind of see like older generation, the whole, well, I don't want to do anything wrong. So I'm just not going to do anything. And so we're trying to (laughs) educate through that. Yeah. What my family or and my ex is now ex, um, I wish you guys all the best because the divorce rate in special needs relationships is through the roof. And I went through the nasty divorce and um, and I hope that doesn't happen for whoever doesn't want that to happen because it affects the kids. And it seems like the kids are doing way better than I was. You know what I yeah. mean? Like they didn't have any issues. They didn't care how much money was in my pocket. You know, they weren't worried that whatever and I was. I relate to a lot of the things that your husband's going through. I was angry. I still get angry, you know? So I'm just trying to hope that my emotional intelligence somehow gets on a trajectory where like, I don't screw this whole thing up by being the ignorant one in the family. But I appreciate you being honest about those issues because those are the issues and they're not comfortable to talk about. It's not comfortable to talk about the fact that you don't want to go somewhere because you don't want to be the one walking in with the kid who's like that. And, you know, we stopped getting invited to certain places because they don't want the disruption in that particular setting. And it's like, okay, now I don't get invited certain places because of my kid, you know, and it's really can get isolating. And That's kind of why I created the show was so that we can do this more together because we might not be able to get our old friends and our old family members to support us the way we need supported. We might have to do it for each other. Right. So anyway, um, what's one of the worst moments that you've had so far? Oh, man. When I read, I read a lot of horrible stories on, you know, Facebook groups. And I think I've been able to kind of steal myself, if that makes sense. So I've been able to make excuses for other people for the sake of my own emotions. I don't want to become upset over things I can't change, like maybe a stranger. I can't change a stranger in a day or with a comment. That's And and it's not my job to. It's, it's, it's your job to be a better person. But my son right now is, I kind of call it emerging verbal. So he's not so nonverbal, but it, it's coming and it's coming along and it's slow. But I think he senses a need to communicate right now, but just doesn't have the tools to. I were having more fits in public and it's stuff that normal children get upset about. They want to go to the toy aisle and I don't. Any four-year-old is going to get upset about that. Just right now, my son cannot use words to express that frustration. And so he screams and cries. And I haven't had so much trouble... As much as I've gotten, it's stares and I can handle people staring. You can stare all you want. But there was this one man and I'm happy that I don't understand it because it means I'm not this kind of person. He came up to me and I'm just kind of consoling my son. I want to validate both my children's feelings, but you know, it's not, it's not okay to scream and throw a fit in public. And so I'm trying to calm him down as best as I can. And this man just goes, why don't you take your kid out of the store? or you can teach him not to cry. It was a flippant remark and he walked past and I have never experienced that before. I've had friends who have experienced that, but I hadn't had my experience with that yet. And I was just so appalled. There are those kinds of people who do that 
for whatever purpose they feel validated in doing it for. I don't understand if you were meaning to help me with that comment or shame me. Yeah. Either one, it, you did a horrible job with whatever you were planning yeah. on doing. And um, I just looked at him and the best that I could come up with at that moment was, I'm sorry, sir. My son is autistic. And right now we're learning how to communicate our feelings, but you're right. I'm so sorry to have disturbed you today. And he kind of looked at me and he walked away and I just kind of sat there. And for two seconds, I wanted to cry, but then I got kind of mad. And then I was determined. I was like, you know what? This guy isn't expecting it, but I'm going to find him in this store and I'm going to give him a talking to. Uh, and, And I didn't end up finding him, but I stayed there for an hour and I looked around that store because I wasn't going to let somebody get away with that. And I even said it, I I had expressed on my Instagram to some of my close friends. I was like, I remember what he looks like. And this is my neighborhood store. So if I run into him, I'm going to give him a talking to because just because you're, you know, 50 plus years old and I'm a young mom does not mean you know better than me. And even if you do, it does not mean that you can talk to me that way. What is the point of shaming parents in public? What is the point? And I'm glad I don't understand why you would do that because it means I'm not your kind of person and I don't want to be anything like you. And I also know for a fact that the only reason this man felt confident in saying what he said is is because I'm a woman too. And I don't usually like to say that. I am definitely, I'm a feminist, but I'm an equalist. I love my father. I'm not a man hater. But (laughs) this man, this man only said what he said because I'm a woman. If my husband was there, who is a six foot six man, who can probably take you down in one punch, he would not have said that to him, no matter how my son was acting. So it's the parent shaming, but especially happening to young mothers, I don't hear it happen very often to fathers in public. And it's because there's this stigmatism that parenting is solely for the mother, which is just unfair to men. It doesn't give men the support and help that they need. But it also just puts women in a really cruddy position where they're ultimately shamed for whatever the child does no matter what situation and that was really hard to see the worst of the worst in the human race is this man and to know that they're out there and but at the end of the day I was grateful that he had said something to me and not a mother of maybe a newly diagnosed autistic child who is not confident in her capabilities or even in the diagnosis because that might have crushed somebody but I'm not so easily brought down. He kind of messed with the wrong person. I've gotten to, in my journey where I might not know everything, but I love my son and that's enough. Mm-hmm. And he's lucky that he, I didn't catch up to him because I was ready to give him a nice little lesson on human decency. Yeah. Well, I, your response was amazing. Mine would have sounded different. And it's not because my response would have been the right response because it would probably have been the wrong response. And I don't know. I appreciate you sharing that for anybody listening, because there's a lot of people who mean well and still say things that don't work that are pretty bad. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, absolutely. So it's it's just, I try to get thicker skin, but how about anything that you know now that you wish you knew a year or two ago? I think one of the things that I think of the most is that the only limitations that our children have are the ones that we give them. Hmm. Someone had once said that to me and I don't even know where they work, but their younger brother had um, has autism. And that hit me a lot because I'd realized that in my parenting, for the sake of not seeing my child struggle, 
I would just do everything. And I would do that for my son. And then having my daughter, simply because she doesn't have autism, I would expect her, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to struggle a little bit. This is how we grow. And because I believe that, but I wasn't doing that with my son because in my head it was, no, he can't do that because he has autism. Right. The only person believing that or saying it was me. A doctor wasn't saying that. Another autistic wasn't, person wasn't saying that. I, that was solely me putting putting a limitation on my son. And so I tried to dial back the helicopter parenting. I let him struggle a little bit. Even something as simple as getting dressed. I realized that I, I wouldn't even give him the chance to learn how to get himself dressed. Mm-hmm. I just kind of in my own mind said to myself, you know what, it'll just take too long to figure out. So I'll just do it for you. But, and again, I give myself grace because number one, I am, this is my first child. Again, I already have no idea what I'm doing. I'm already learning on the job every single day, (laughs) but now, but now my child, I have an autistic child. And so I kind of just kept on doing that to myself. Like, I don't want to see you struggle. I don't want to put too much on you. I don't want to expect too much on you. But in doing that, I wasn't even giving him the chance to learn to be independent. And so I'm very proud of myself. And I wish I had done it sooner because I'm sure that he would be able to do so many more things if I had stopped treating him like he was disabled. It's kind of the greatest disservice. Is There are lots of different kinds of disabilities. And my experience is definitely going to be different than another's. When I stopped already saying he's not going to get it, and I started at least letting him try and then helping him through. He has shown me just how wrong I was. Like even something as simple with, I didn't think that my son was going to be potty trained till he was seven. That's something that I had accepted and I was okay with. I am a part of a <laughs> group of friends where everybody had kids at the same time. So I have a lot of friends with the same age kids as mine. And it's hard. It's hard watching that comparison. And being reminded that my child isn't on the same the same level as they are. And that was something that I just told myself, we're not going to worry about potty training. Like, so what? So what? He's in diapers forever. Mm-hmm. That it is what it is. I love him. Potty training is the last thing. I'm not going to make my kid be potty trained in three days, in a week. I'm not going to do it. And But I started allowing the possibility. I kind of started just kind of started, Hey, look, here's the toilet. Here, we're going to the bathroom on the toilet. And I started letting him pull up his own pants. Something as simple as that. I convinced myself that he couldn't pull up his own pants. And when I, when I think of that, it's silly, but again, I, I give myself grace for it, but he is fully capable. And with his own understanding of what was going on, we were able to get him to be potty trained. He's 99% potty trained. We have an accident here or there. But he will go to the toilet, pull down his own pants, go to the bathroom and pull them up. And yeah, and if I had stuck with my, he's never going to get it. So I'm not going to force him to do it. Like we wouldn't be here. And I know that a lot of parents, like a lot of parents, not even autistic or special needs parents do that. It's kind of like, I don't want to force my kid. I don't want to frustrate them. But frustration can cause immense amounts of growth. It's okay to struggle. That's how we get stronger. And my kid has proved me wrong on so many things. And but, and I wish I had done it earlier. But if you think too much about how you could have done something different, it'll kill you. Yeah, totally. So how about you? How do you take care of yourself? Is self-care yeah. on your radar? Yeah, no, I try. I'm definitely the kind of personality where if I don't take time to be by myself, I can kind of start to feel like I'm drowning. I grew up with six siblings, so I was never alone growing up. 
And so I really value my alone time now and becoming different, but it's hard to get support in wanting to be by yourself. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, you know, you get, again, ignorance, you get people are like, well, then why did you choose to have children then? Like you should have known you would never get to be by yourself. And it's like, that's so not fair. (laughs) Like I love my kids just because I want to be alone and not be around my kids for five minutes does not mean I don't love my kids. My husband is very supportive. He has grown so much over the years in trying to understand the kind of person that I am and what I need and vice versa about learning what he needs instead of just being like, well, I do it this way. So you should just do it this way because I think it's right. It's we really worked hard on understanding that we need different things to feel like an individual. I think self-care with parents who have who have kids with special needs is really hard to get because like you said, people sometimes stop wanting to be around your children and because they just don't get it. And so it's hard to find childcare even for an hour because people feel overwhelmed at the idea of being with someone that they can't understand. And I think that that's, I do see that the divorce rate with special needs families is so incredibly high. And it's because it's a high stressful situation And while people say that they're here to support you, they don't really understand the kind of support that you actually need. I I don't even know what kind of support I need sometimes, you know, Um, I just know I need support. I need something. I know. And and it's the discovery of it. And in nursing school right now, we were learning about respite care and it's just having somebody come into your home for an hour. And I actually didn't even know that was a thing. It's mostly done for people who's maybe loved ones are on hospice or who are, you know, ex- paralyzed. And it's for these extreme cases. But I just kind of think like, you know, what's wrong with requesting respite care for an hour to yourself once a week? I get it's, my kids get respite care. That's I mean, cool. I, it's, it's still hard to find staffing for it sometimes. But my morning routine is like, I mean, my typical kids, they do whatever they can to help me get to my morning routine because they like the dad who takes care of himself way better than they like the dad who doesn't. Because mm, it gets overwhelming. Yeah. It gets yeah. overwhelming for me, at least. What would you do if you were going to, you know, do self-care? What's something that, that you would do if you had time to yourself that have you calmed down or feel less anxious or whatever you would be striving for? So the bare minimum that I can do for myself is to get in my car, go get my favorite drink from somewhere and go through a car wash. It's something so small, but for some reason, it just brings me a lot of joy because you're kind of sitting in in a cocooned place, kind of sounds like it's raining. I just like it to be quiet. Like that's the bare minimum. If I know that I don't have a lot of time, but I can feel myself kind of, I'm slipping a little bit and I just need 10 minutes to myself. That's all that I'll do. And that really is is the offset is because sometimes that's what self-care has to look like, especially for single parents. You kind of have to be on a schedule all the time and it's hard to schedule time for yourself. And so if you look for small things that you can do during the day that bring you a, a tiny amount of joy, whether it's sitting down on the couch for 10 minutes and painting your toenails or sitting in the bath. I was never a bath person, but now I am because it's just 10 minutes. I can sit in one place and think. And it can be the offset that you need. And you're right, like your kids can notice. I noticed when my parents were stressed and angry and, and really struggling, but they wouldn't say anything because they were, 
in the generation of suffer in silence, which I'm yeah. grateful we are trying to break out of. Yeah. Um, and I feel for them, like as a teenager, it'd make me really angry. But as an adult, I really feel for my parents being raised in that kind of situation where it's like, you just need to buck up. It's not about you. It's about everybody else. Yeah. And it's like, while the idea is, the idea, okay, has some merits, it's not right for a person to have to feel like they have to live up to that. Right. And so that's like the bare minimum. Look for something, even if it takes 10 minutes of time, even if it's sitting outside in the morning, you know, before all the kids wake up and just sitting in the silence, like it's the world is so loud. Yeah. And my son knows that better than anybody else. Like everything is just too loud. My son is so good at separating himself when he realizes things are getting overwhelmed, even at four and a half, not being able to talk very well. I can see the flip in his head where he just thinks it's time to take a break and he'll just go up in his room and he'll close the door and he just wants to be by himself and that's it. And so I try to take a, I try to take a lesson from his book. That's awesome. So car washes and baths. That's awesome. I, those are both, what's it, do you have a top resource or recommendation that has benefited you that you would share with other parents? So I love following autistic adults on Instagram. There's this guy, I think his name is Autistic Bart. I love reading his stuff. He is very open about the things that he struggles with mentally. Tell his followers like, hi, I'm, I'm having a difficult, I'm very sensory overloaded right now. And I just need to take a break. And I talk about him all the time. And he probably doesn't even know I talk about him all the time. But I just love seeing him be able to articulate what my son may be thinking. And it helps me understand my son more. I hope that there will be a day where I'll get to hear my son's inner thoughts about what he truly thinks and feels. People like this are the closest I'm going to get. And it helps me when choosing care for my son because I want him to feel a big part of it, even though he's four and a half and he might not really understand what's going on. It's something to keep me in check to make sure I'm not making a decision that may be selfish on my part because it might be easier. I'd rather pick the harder path if I feel like it's something that he would want and would find most help in. So I would really recommend like autistic adults on Instagram. We're really grateful to live in, you know, social media can be terrible, but it can be wonderful too. Where on TikTok, it's really cool seeing these autistic adults talking about their everyday experiences. And it didn't used to be like that. I feel like autistic people were kind of just pushed into the corners and on the sides, and they weren't a big part of the narrative. And that's changing. And I'm so grateful for it because you have to imagine how difficult it is for these people to outwardly speak when they are in, um, uh, what is it called? It's you're not an extrovert when they're introvert. It's yeah. difficult for them. Every time they make a post, it is difficult to break out of it. But I get the feeling that they understand that by making themselves a little bit uncomfortable, they're helping parents like me have a greater understanding about what my son might be thinking. And I think they're helping other autistic kids, teenagers, adults feel a little bit more confident in who they are. I like that. What's next on your list for your your own personal well-being that you'd like to add to your your life? One thing that I, I tell people is don't try to plan your life around autism because it doesn't have to be like that. I feel like a lot of people, when they get that diagnosis, it's they do. They do disparate the things lost. And um, like what you said earlier, they miss out on the soccer games on Saturday. Well, who's to know if their kid will never play soccer? You know, it might not yeah. look like how normal soccer is going to look like. 
But again, that's, that's like our own limitation though. I made a goal for myself that I was going to be a little bit more confident in outside programs because I want my son to, to at least be active in sports, whatever that might look like. It might not look like Saturday soccer games every single time. I want to do that and make myself a little bit uncomfortable by going and seeking for it. My next life step is uh, graduating nursing school. And then I want to get my master's degree. And I'd like to become a certified nurse midwife. Midwifery is becoming really big in the United States, which I'm really happy for. Uh, No knocking against OBs. They're great. But I'm a huge advocate for women and for fathers in in the birthing room. I feel like we have succeeded as as a society and in medical advancement that birth can be a beautiful experience. And I feel like a lot of traditional medicines don't allow that. And that's why more women are giving birth at home and scares me a little bit because I'm a big, like what if person, but the reason why they're doing that is because they don't feel heard or validated. And so I would really like to be a part of making a hospital experience, something that more women want. And, you know, when we got the diagnosis, I was kind of fearful that I wouldn't be able to do it all. You struggle a lot in wanting your own things when you have a kid with special needs, because sometimes you can feel like you're being selfish, which isn't true. But in the deepest recesses of your mind, you think right now it's about my son. It's no longer about me. And I think that's what happens to a lot of people is they get the diagnosis and that becomes their entire life to the point that it's all consuming. And that's when it starts to become negative. I stopped letting autism be the defining factor. I let it be a part of our lives, but not our lives. And I want that for my son too. My biggest dream for him is that he'll be able to be verbally able to say hi, you know, in a circle of introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Beckham and I have autism or or I'm autistic. I like cheese and I like to go running. Like just something that's a part of it of him because he wants to feel like he can do something if he wants to do it and period it's hard I will <laughs> I'm going to encourage my children to get their education done before they have their own kids because it's it's hard it's so so hard but as my mother-in-law always says we can do hard things and so I'm going to school I'm exhausted all the time but I'm very much pleased with how things are going my son is going to preschool and does his ABA therapy and I'm going I'm going to school. And then I have my daughter who is yeah. crazy and, you know, the biggest personality you've ever asked for. But I feel like uh, when you stop letting autism consume you, but let it be a companion in your life, there's no limit. You can do it. Things are going to be a little more complicated, but I feel like you can do a lot of things. You are, It sounds like you are doing a lot of things. And I feel like you um, are doing it in a positive way, I feel like your positivity and your acceptance of life and what is, and I appreciate that. It's inspiring for me and it's inspiring for our listeners as well. Yeah. I also appreciate you sharing your journey with us. I identify with a lot of parts of it and I'm glad that we're connected. I feel like we're on this journey together and it's easier together than it is alone. And so I want to thank you for taking the time out and maybe we can catch up down the road and reconnect and see what the next 
phase is for your kids and your life. And I wish you all the best with your schooling. And thanks for taking the time to be with us today. No, thank you so much. I love that this is becoming more of a thing. It, it can be very lonely and we need support when we need to support. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for supporting me today and those listening and uh, all the best to you. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. This concludes our show for today. And I'd like to personally thank you for spending the time with us on a topic near and dear to our hearts. If you'd like to be part of the Naked Parent Nation and help us reach those parents that are struggling and overwhelmed, there's no better way to help than by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show on iTunes. iTunes highlights the shows based on these metrics, and the more the show gets highlighted, the more opportunities people will have to be introduced to the show where they can hear that message of hope or that tip that can change everything. So follow the link in our show notes And we hope to have you back here tomorrow where we'll do it again. From the team here at the Naked Parent Podcast, we wish you the life you've always dreamed of and then some. So long.